Welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman, the podcast dedicated to helping you build the business of your dreams and live the life you always hoped for, with valuable and fun tips and info to make your life easier and more fun. And now, here's your host, a man who sprinkles metal shavings on his breakfast cereal just for fun, Jason Silverman. Hello, everybody, and welcome to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. I'm your host, Jason Silverman, and I'm thrilled to share some more time with you again today. Well, folks, I'm thrilled to say I am officially back from the dead, or at least close to dead. Um, for those of you who have been listening to the last couple, you know that uh, I wound up with a really nasty sinus infection while on my way back um, from the Dance Teacher Summit in New York City. I got to tell you, this one was rough. I'm not, I'm not somebody who gets sick pretty much ever, so to actually be knocked on my rear end... Um, mixing in that, mixing that in with um, actually having to stand on a stage and speak and then talk to people for four or five days. Uh, it was an interesting combination, but thank heavens for my doctor and for modern medicine. So uh, I'm thrilled to say that I'm bounced back and I'm ready to rock and roll. In any case, when I looked at my calendar this morning, you know, I, I was totally, totally, totally juiced. You know, most folks who know me know that I usually get excited on the the, the days that I get the opportunity to share time and talents with uh, people who I feel are really smart and really good at relaying their wisdom with other people's. And quite honestly, today is one of those days. So as many as you know, I tend to focus on topics here at The Real Deal that I'm personally interested in. And today I am ultra interested in today's guest expertise. In my search to continually bring both interesting as well as super beneficial guests, today's show is spot on. And I, I really want to introduce my listeners to somebody who plays the game full out, and he's been there, and he's done that. And most importantly, he's got the ability to help others to successfully follow in his footsteps. Now, for the folks who I work with in any of my coaching programs, my mastermind groups, or through Powerful Words Character Development, All-Star Cheer Sites, or Dance Sites Done Right, you know how much I focus on the importance of using every single marketing weapon that we have at our disposal, right? Well, this show is going to help us to do just that. So, today it's going to be my honor and my privilege to share an amazing resource with you. You're going to love today's guest. He's got a ton of valuable information to help you succeed as well as a fun way to deliver it. So, let's get ready folks. Strap yourself in. Today's show is going to be a blast. As I'm sure you already know, I'm committed to helping business owners just like you to become more successful, enjoy your career more, and in general, make your life significantly more fun. Because as we all know, we only go around once. Let's make it a heck of a ride. All right, boys and girls, it is now that time. Stop surfing Facebook, put away your phone, your tablet, your dog, your cat, your child, your spouse, anything that might possibly distract you from today's show. You're about to get some great and immediately implementable information, and I don't want you to miss even a second. So, <clears throat> before we officially get going, I want to give you a little bit of a background about our guest today. Entrepre Entrepreneur Magazine says Perry Marshall is the number one author and world's most quoted consultant on Google Advertising. He's helped over 100,000 advertisers to save literally billions of, billions of dollars, it's a B, billions, folks, in AdWords stupidity tax. His Chicago company, Perry S. Marshall & Associates, consults both online and brick-and-mortar companies on generating sales leads, web traffic, and maximizing advertising results. At $2,000 per hour, he's one of the world's most expensive and sought-after marketing consultants. His top coaching groups have waiting lists, and many clients have engaged his services continuously for 10 years or more. Prior to his consulting career, he helped grow a tech company from $200,000 to $4 million in sales in four years. 
The firm was sold to a public company in 2001 for $18 million. <clears throat> That's real deal, folks. Like direct marketing pioneer Claude Hopkins, Perry has both an engineering degree and a love for persuasive copywriting. He's taught hundreds of thousands of people to apply the scientific method to advertising. Perry Marshall's work is referenced in dozens of influential marketing books like these. Let's see, The Ultimate Guide to Google AdWords, 80-20 Sales and Marketing, The Ultimate Guide to Facebook Advertising, and he's also the author of Industrial Ethernet. His work is referenced in dozens of influential marketing books by authors like J. Conrad Levinson, Mark Joyner, Joel Kamm, Howard Jacobson, Richard Stokes, and John Jansch. He's been featured at conferences in the U.S., Canada, U.K., Israel, and Australia, sharing the stage with legends like Zig Ziglar, Brian Tracy, Jay Abraham, Murray Smith, Harvey McKay, and Les Brown. He's consulted in over 300 industries from computer hardware and software to high-end consulting, from health and fitness to corporate finance. E-commerce pioneer Mark Joyner dubbed him the Grand Ayatollah of Google AdWords. Direct marketing maverick Dan Kennedy says, if you don't know who Perry Marshall is, it's unforgivable. Perry is an honest man in a field rife with charlatans. His methods, coupled with Google AdWords, offer a fast and cheap testing ground for a lot of marketing messages. He's a consummate player of this game, the smartest person I or any of my clients have ever found when it comes to Google AdWords, optimizing response for his clients and teaching others how to do it for themselves. Folks, it doesn't get any more real deal than this. Richard Koch, author of The 80-20 Principle, says, Perry Marshall has something original and extremely useful to say because he's thought profoundly about The 80-20 Principle. He's come up with some original insights that are literally priceless. Folks, it is my pleasure, and Perry, it is my pleasure to have you today. Welcome to The Real Deal. It's great to be on, and, uh, you know, I appreciate what you're doing. You know, you are addressing uh, an audience that, you know, often is very, very, very good at some, you know, technical expertise, but then, you know, they still have to make a living and they still have to run a business with it. And, you know, sometimes the business is, uh, seems less fun than the, um, you know, than the thing. And, and you're, you're making the business fun and the business can absolutely be fun, even if you already love the other parts. So thanks for having me on. Wow. Well, thank you. So, hey, listen, before we get started, for those who haven't yet had the opportunity and pleasure of either meeting you, hearing you speak, or reading your books, do me a favor. Take a second and share your story with our listeners. You know, what are you passionate about? What makes you tick? Who is Perry Marshall? Well, I'm I'm an engineer whose wife was pregnant when he got laid off, and, uh, like, I had to scramble around and eventually wound up in a career in sales, and... Um, you know, where I had the opportunity to eat bologna sandwiches and ramen soup for a few years and, you know, tossed in the lake and, you know, you got to swim and all of that, you know, and I was very excited, but I was also terrified and, and it, it was, um, you know, I thought I was going to be immediately successful and it just wasn't the case. And, um, I guess I would say that what I do now is, you know, I, I I write the books that I wish that I had been able to read way back when. You know, like we're talking about 80-20 sales and marketing. That's certainly the book I wish I would have had, you know, 20 years ago or, or even 10 years ago for that matter. Um, and, uh, and so eventually what happened to me was I discovered direct marketing. I, I discovered that. You know, advertising does not have to be some spray and pray thing where, you know, some 
you know, woman with nice cleavage convinces you that, you know, that some statistic or, or something or other it means it's a good idea for you to write a check to buy an ad in a newspaper, you know what I'm saying, or the, or the yellow pages. Um, and and, and I, I eventually got smart about that, and I turned my career around, and, you know, I kind of woke up one day and it's like, wow, you know, I go to work every day, and I've got leads coming in, and all these people actually want to talk to me, and it's it's not very hard to get a new customer where it used to be, you know, really hard, and I'm actually making money now, and I might actually be able to dig my way out of all this debt, you know? It's like, well, what if I got really good at direct marketing? Because right now I'm just kind of okay. And so that that's what happened. And um, and so hopefully I can impart some some of that to your listeners here in you know the few minutes that we have. Spectacular, spectacular. Well, I want to dive right in because I, I know how crazy your schedule is, and I'm I'm dying personally for these answers. So tell me this: what you know we've we've probably heard it before, but I'd love your your expertise and your experience on, you know, what is the 80-20 rule? Well, so I imagine a lot of people have at least heard of it. Um, it's, it's the principle that says that 80% of your results come from 20% of your efforts. And I think the people who are most familiar with it are salespeople where, you know, you're told, okay, 80% of your business is going to come from 20% of your clients. And I think a lot of people kind of know that, but that's actually all they know, and they don't really get it, okay? And, and it's, it's not because they're not smart, it's because it's just never been properly explained, okay? And so, so 80, when I was a sales rep, um, I heard about this, and I printed out a sales report and I got out my calculator and went through it. It's like, well, I'll be darned. You know, they're right. But then that was like, that was all. It, it was it was just something I saw in the rearview mirror. Um, later what happened was I came to understand that 80-20 is actually, it's not just like this little business rule of thumb or, or, or something like that. It's, it's actually more like a law of physics. It, it, and, and it's everywhere. It is all around you. And my my goal in teaching people about eighty twenty is that suddenly I can open their eyes and they can see something that's been right in front of them all their life, except now now they can see it for the first time. So I'm looking out the window right now, and there's a tree. Okay, and guess what? Eighty percent of the sap goes through twenty percent of the branches. There's a street, and 80% of the traffic runs on 20% of the roads. But it's more than that because there's an 80-20 inside every 80-20. 80% of the 80% of the traffic runs on 20% of the 20% of the roads. So that means 64% of the traffic runs on 4% of the roads and the highways. But then there's another 80-20 inside of that, which means that about 50% runs on 1%. And it just keeps going until you're down to, you know, the busiest three or four expressways in town. And guess what? You know, even though there's only three of them or five of them or one of them, they actually carry maybe, 
20 or 30 percent of all the cars that go through, and and it's true absolutely everywhere. It's true, it's true in pretty much everything you can count in a business. So it could be uh, um, product effect. You know, 80 percent of the product effects are in 20 percent of the parts, or um, 80 percent of the theft comes from 20 percent of the thieves, or 80 percent of the customer service time. Um, Produces uh, 20% of uh, of the uh, comes from 20% of the customers, or you know, and so you might you might have one or two customers who are making your life miserable, and all you need to do is fire them, which I'm giving you permission to do right now. Like you are in no moral obligation to do business with anybody that you don't want to do business with, and so so. I, I discovered this, and all of a sudden I saw it everywhere. It's like I can't look out my window without seeing 80-20, and like, oh, my goodness. If we start applying this to businesses, we can make them so much more prosperous. They can make more money with less time, less investment, less effort. And um, it's, nowhere is that more important than for people who run businesses. If you run businesses, you need to understand 80-20 in your bones. Well, t- tell me this, because I know you started on this, but I, I really want to hammer this one home. How, how does it apply directly to sales and marketing? Okay, so if you hire, let's say you, you hire 10 salespeople, okay? 80-20 says that two of them are going to generate 80% of the sales, and the other eight are only going to generate 20. That means that the two person for person are 16 times better salespeople than the eight. Okay? Now, this bothers most people. It's like, like, well, hey, you know, I got these 10 people and, you know, should, you know, the, I got these laggards, you know, if, if I spent some time with the slow ones and I worked with them, I could make them better and I could get them up to par and they could make quota. And that's actually the exact opposite of what you should do. Because what you should do is you should get rid of the ones that can't perform probably as fast as you can. And you should figure out how to support the ones who do sell well um, as much as you can so that they are wasting as little time as humanly possible filling out paperwork, doing expense reports, um, booking their airline tickets, or you know whatever it is that they do. Because in every business, in every situation, in every group of people, there's this tiny little set of levers or hinges that swings big doors. And then there's all these other things that are almost completely unproductive. And the faster you get rid of um, the activities that are unproductive, um, the, the faster you can start pouring your effort into stuff that's going to really churn a large return on investment. That makes sense. That makes sense. You know, I've heard you talk about um, that some folks think in averages. Yep. Tell me, um, what, what does that mean? Okay, so so if 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 we have a, a, a classroom full of kids, uh, let, let's say we got 30 kids, and um, we've, we've all, like, been in the classroom where the teacher says, okay, everybody, you know, I'm handing your test back. And, the, and they write on the checkboard, okay, the, the average 
was an 82%, and the highest person got a 99, and you know, and the lowest got a 37. And they might even draw a little bell curve, and they'll say, okay, you know, uh, five people got A's and 11 people got B's, right? We've all done that, right? Absolutely. Okay, so in a classroom, the focus is always basically getting the average up. But what I do is, what I discovered was, was this way of putting 80-20 on a graph where, um, where instead of measuring the percentage that, that people got on a test and going, well, you know, how many people got, you know, more than an uh, 82%, I ask it differently. It's like, okay, if this was a if this was a history test, how much history horsepower do these kids have? And I'm going to rank them from top to bottom. And what you'll find is, um, you know, if the average was an 82 and the best kid got a 99, it makes it look like. Now let's say the the best got a hundred because then the math is easy. Okay. It makes it look like the the best kid is 18 points better than the average kid. But that's actually very misleading. In actuality, the best kid is probably 10 times better than the average kid. In fact, he might be 100 times better. Okay, and, and what I mean by that is, is in terms of how much he could produce or how much he can accomplish or how far he can get in his field, all right? And so, like, here's, here's a perfect example of this. Michael Jordan, of course, is an amazing basketball player. Now, was Michael Jordan, like, 100 times better than all the other basketball players? No. Uh, you know, he was maybe, I don't know, he was maybe, like, 50% better or maybe 100% better um, it, 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 if you're just measuring, like, you know, how many baskets can he shoot. However, if you look at his income, you know, everybody else on the team was making, like, $3 million a year, and he was making $30 million. Okay? He was making more money than everybody else on the team combined. Why? Because he sells more T-shirts, more tennis shoes, more basketballs, more tickets to games, more television coverage, more mentions, and, and, and if you measured it that way, he does, he is, he's ten times more famous, at least, than, than Scottie Pippen. Hmm. Okay? And, and, and everything is like this. Okay? Everything is really graded in, like, powers of ten not, you know, increments of 5%. Even, you know, so even if, even if Michael Jordan is really only 25% better at basketball than Scottie Pippen, he could be 25 times more famous, make 20 times more money, and, and again, everything is like that because, because of how the world actually works. And so you will make more money investing heavily in your one best salesperson then you will, and try to fix all the other ones. All the other ones should probably be doing something else. It also applies to your time. 80% of your time only produces 20% of what you get. So that means you should find a way to sweep that off the rug. You could get rid of three-fourths of your work, and your income would only go down by 15%. 
And then you could find something, you know, something you're already doing and do it better, and you could double your income and work half the hours. And it really is true, but people don't know it. So hmm. I'm, I'm here to preach the good news. People need to know this. No, this is important stuff. This is actually important stuff. I, I've heard it said um, that you know the eighty twenty rule is fractal. Yes. So, how would you explain that? Okay, so not, not everybody knows what what, what <clears throat> fractal is when is when the the pattern is the same whether you zoom in 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 or out out out. So like. Um, you could look at a tree, and you could stand back, and you could look at it, and it's got this branching pattern. But if we got a microscope, and we look at one of the leaves, and, and we're looking at the little cells inside the leaf, we still see little tiny veins in there, and we see that branching pattern. Okay, and so a tree, a tree is actually growing from a simpler program than people think it is. It's, it's a repeating, repeating, repeating pattern that just... Um, so, so there's a pattern inside a pattern inside a pattern inside a pattern. Well, 80-20 is fractal. This was actually my original insight. It was like, oh my goodness, there's an 80-20 inside that 80-20, and then there's another one inside that, and another one inside of that, and another one inside that. And what, practically speaking, here, here's an example of what that means. Okay, so, so let's say that you, you have a hundred customers and the average customer spends $100, um, which means that you, you should have got $10,000. Well, you know, it's very, very common that that'll be the case, and you'll have the, this list of people, and they, they all bought either like product A, product B, product C, or some combination of them, and you go, okay, so, you know, all right, great. So this is our average, and this is what we do. But anytime you have an average, you have an 80-20, and you can start stacking up the customers and say, well, I should get 80% of my money from only 20% of these people, okay? Uh, and I should get 60% of my money from 4% of the people. I should get 50% of my money from 1% of the people. So if the average person uh, spends 100 bucks, then that means one out of 100 should actually spend 10000 let me say that again. So if you if you had a hundred people who spent a hundred dollars, ten of them ought to spend one thousand, and one of them should spend ten thousand. So if you've got a hundred one hundred dollar customers and you're not getting ten thousand dollars from one of them, you're leaving money on the table, and that's probably the first place that you can go. So let me let me give you an example. So a couple years ago. This couple asked me and my wife out to lunch, and they knew that I was this expensive business consultant, and they were a little sheepish about it, but, like, they really wanted some help. Um, and, you know, they've been friends of ours for a long time, so, so we go out uh, and we talk. Well, these are, like, salt-of-the-earth, wonderful people, want to do good in the world. They're evangelical Christians, and he wanted to start this fitness uh, center, and he wants to help kids and all this kind of stuff. And so we had this, like, really serious conversation about, okay, so, you, dude, you need to be okay with getting money. Okay? And, and uh, yeah, I, I'm a Christian, and I grew up in an environment where money was kind of a dirty word. 
You know, it's like, well, you know, don't get too much of that unrighteous mammon, you know, and, and, and all of that, okay? Now, now, there there is a context for, like, you know, not making money into God, okay? But, look, if, if, if you read about, like, all the patriarchs and all... You know, Abraham was not a poor guy, and Solomon was not a poor guy, and David was not a poor guy, and and these people did not have any qualms about accumulating wealth, and they they also didn't like make it the number one thing in their life. Okay, but like I think there's a lot of people out there, and they have made that they, they are afraid. They're like, oh, you know, like if if I like make it into like a serious goal to hit certain revenue targets it's going to ruin me and it's going to turn me into a bad person and I like uh, I, I had, we, we had this long conversation about like dude you can't do that okay like like this thing is only going to run if you collect the money okay <laughs> the guy the guy that's renting you the space he needs money and the electricity people and the water people and the gas people they all need money and plus, dude, you know, like, you know how you want to make part of your thing, like a f- free service for the kids in the inner city whose moms could never pay for your service? Well, you have to make money in order to give that to them, Like, right? See, so you want to be generous and charitable, you have to have money first, which means you have to charge money, which means you have to be okay with asking for it. It's like, okay, okay. Well, a couple years go by, and now he's got this thriving thing. And I'm like really proud of him, and I'm really impressed with him. And um, in fact, my ten-year-old is in parkour, um, you know, learning how to jump over stuff, and you know, it's like really awesome. And you know, funny thing, I just sent him an email like two weeks ago because I went I went to this deal where the parents can come and they have show and tell day, and all the kids are showing us what they're doing. And I went home and I sent him an email. I said, dude, like. I'm really proud of you, and I'm really impressed, and you have got this thing on the ground. And the next thing you probably need to do is you need to make a high-end program that the rich parents are going to send their kids to. Okay, now this, this is not... I already, know, I already know how that went. <laughs> we, well, he'll pro- I think he'll probably listen to me, but I sure know the knee-jerk reaction, which is, oh, are you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. I'm completely sure. Like... You know, it should be three times more expensive than the regular deal, and, like, they get kid gloves treatment, and they get, like, these extra things, and they get extra attention, whatever it is, and, like, like dude, you need to have this stuff. So, um, and, and, like, that applies to everybody. And, um, you know, I think most of your listeners, um, you know, it's like the art of what they do is, is one of the most important things to them. And, hey, if you want to do it better and if you want to have the best equipment and you want to have the best clients. And here's the thing. You know, when you're, like, the cheapest guy in town, you also get, like, the worst customers. <laughs> and, and when you're the most expensive guy in town, you get the best customers. Like, what do you want to be? Do you want to be White Castle? Do you want to be Burger King? Or do you want to be, like, the luxury restaurant in town where all the doctors and lawyers, like, which clientele do you want? Which do you think is more pleasant to run? <laughs> That's a no-brainer. That's an absolute <laughs> I <no-brainer>. think it is. <laughs> that, that, that was actually a really important message you just sent, and hopefully people are receiving that because that... <laughs> You don't get extra points for being broke. No. 
You really don't. No, there's there's no virtue in that. And and look, it's not necessary. I mean, the world out there is this big giant slash pit, mosh pit of like billions of dollars are sloshing around. Okay, and there's billions of unmet needs out there. So all you have to do is scratch an itch that nobody else is scratching and sell it to a customer who can pay. Um, yeah, I know there's customers that can't afford you and you want to make it cheaper for them. Okay, kill that impulse. Now, at least until you're making a living. Now, after you're making a living, I think there's a very serious place for figuring out how to do something really innovative and really special where maybe you can do what Henry Ford did and... and most people don't completely grasp this. Henry Ford took the car from being a luxury item that's just for a few rich people, and he, you know, he just relentlessly pursued all these manufacturing techniques, and he drove the price down to the point where everybody could drive a Model T. Okay? And that's really great. Okay? And if you want to do that, and if it's like, oh, well, I... I run martial arts uh, a place, and you know the, the cheapest you can really do martial arts is X number of dollars. And I am going to devise this completely new system for serving martial arts to people, so it's actually one third as expensive and can serve ten times as many people. And, and like you have like some brand new thing that you're doing, then I say absolutely, God bless you. But I doubt you're going to do it from from a cold start. Right. Right, you're, you're going to have to start with something where you're actually eating. Uh, Henry Ford was already eating before he realized, hey, you know what, I could revolutionize the world by, you know, making these things for 600 bucks instead of 2,000. Um, you know what I'm saying? That's a great um, point. You've got to be eaten first. <laughs> Folks, I hope you guys are taking notes on this. And uh, <laughs> this is important. It really, really is. Perry, let me ask you a question because I've heard you use this term before. Um, why is a bleeding neck important? Oh, okay. Um, my friend John Paul Mendoza came up with this, and I just think it's absolutely brilliant. Um, John was a professional gambler for four years, uh, and then he decided that if he stayed in that world, he's probably going to end up dead, and so he, he left. Okay, and he went he went into selling high tech. Uh, defense contract stuff on the West Coast after he got done with his gambling career. And he realized that all this stuff that he'd learned from gambling uh, made him a much more astute salesman. Um, and, uh, and, and, and let me tell you a quick story about, about uh, what he learned in gambling. So, so when he was 17, he hitchhiked to Las Vegas. He dropped out of high school. And when he got to Vegas, he started playing cards for a living. And after a few weeks, he's like, dang, uh, this is harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, maybe I could find somebody to help me. And, and he, he looks around, and he found this guy who ran uh, a professional gambling ring. And like, so, you know, if I give you part of my winnings, will you teach me how to do this? Sure. Well, you know, they shake on it. And as soon as they have a deal... Um, he goes, jump in the Jeep, John. We're going for a ride. Okay, so they're, they're riding down the highway. And John goes, okay, how do I win more po poker games? And Rob goes, John, 
you need to play with marks. And marks are people who are dumber than you. And, you know, you don't want to play with gambling geniuses. You want, like, the guy that just got off the plane from Wichita with his grandmother's inheritance money. Like, that's who you want to play. And, and he goes, how do I find marks? And he goes, here, I'll show you. And they pull into a parking lot, and they walk into a strip club. And they sit down, and there's blaring music, and there's women, and there's people drinking, and all this stuff. And Rob pulls a shotgun out of his jacket. It's a sawed-off shotgun. And he, and he holds it under the table. And he, and he opens a chamber, and then he racks it. So it goes... And a few people like look around like, what is that? And the club owner comes over. Hey, everything okay over here? Everything's just fine, John. Or, you know, we're just, just teaching the lad a lesson. Just, we're, we're okay over here. And, and, and then he says, hey, did you notice the people who turned around when they heard that noise? And he goes, yeah. And he goes, don't play poker with them. <laughs> They're not marks. Okay? And, and in other words, you sort them out really fast with as little effort as humanly possible. Okay? And, 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 and that's called racking the shotgun. And what I've been teaching people ever since is rack the shotgun. Well, you asked me about five... Power disqual about about the bleeding neck, and um, and jo when John left gambling, he his first sales manager was like, okay, you know, we got these two hundred and six companies, and I want you to get in your car and see every single one of these. And John's like, that would be like playing poker with everybody. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm not going to do that. And John. John devised this thing called the five power disqualifiers, which these are the five things that are always true every time a sale is made. Okay? And here's what they are. Number one, they have to have a bleeding neck. A bleeding neck is they have an urgent problem that needs to be solved right now. Okay? If they don't have a bleeding neck, they're not going to buy from you. Okay? Secondly, they have the money. You have to ask them if they have the money. You have to find out if they have the money. Because if they don't have the money, they're not buying. If they don't have the money, they're not buying. I don't know how many years I spent trying to sell people that didn't even have the money. And I thought somehow by my goodwill and my smile or whatever, it was going to make it show up. It was completely wrong. Uh, number three. They have the ability to say yes. There are a lot of buyers, they have the ability to say no, but they do not have the ability to say yes. They can only stop you. They cannot get the purchase order approved. Or, you know, they got to go talk to their wife or whatever. You have to talk to a person who can say yes. Okay? Number four, they buy into your unique selling proposition, your USP. They like your USP. If they don't like your USP, they're not buying Okay, and number five, it has to fit their overall plans. And those are the five power disqualifiers. And so if, if, you, if you can approach every advertising you do, every sales meeting that you ever have, every contact with a customer from the five power disqualifiers, like, okay, do they have a bleeding neck? No. Okay, move on. Who has a bleeding neck? 
Let's fix their bleeding neck and charge a lot of money for it. That's how you make money. And, like, you can't be squeamish about it. I know they have a problem. They want it solved. Yeah, I know they have cancer. They're coming to your clinic. Your clinic costs money. Okay? Yeah, I realize they're digging into their life savings because they have cancer. But it's not your fault they have cancer. Okay? You're the solution. Or you're hopefully the solution. Okay? So don't be squeamish about the fact that you have something somebody wants. That's your job. So, I, you know... <laughs> I'd love to go in more, and we have to wrap this up, but, but this is, you, you've been asking some really great questions. Well, I have one, one final one um, that I, I think is, is really going to be important. Um, you know, as far as, uh, I should say two more, but um, as far as testing, you know, can you briefly talk about the importance of testing? Because I don't feel like, um, I don't feel like enough people understand that's usually my answer for everything. People say, well, is this going to work? Is that going to work? And my answer is always test it. But what's what's your theory on testing on, on, and how it can impact your results? Well, so I, I discovered when I started using Google AdWords that I could write two ads instead of one, and Google would run one ad, then the other, then the other. You know, it would flip them back, back and forth and back and forth. And at the end of the day or the end of the week, I would know which one people, more people were clicking on, and I could know which one was causing people to buy more widgets. And it just opened up this whole universe of testing things. And, and I was astonished at how much difference uh, it would make. I would, I would, you know, take reverse line one and line two, and the response would go up like 500%, or I'd change one word, and the response would change 50%. And, and you, you don't understand this until you've actually done it. And then it's like the most fascinating psychology experiment. And so, you know, anytime you do advertising, you need to find a way to test, you know, which is better and which is working, which is, is not. And, and that's, it's an 80-20 it's an activity. It's one of the most valuable things you ever do. Fabulous, fabulous. All right, folks, it's time for our resource of the week. Um, Perry, where can our listeners find out more about you and, and, and everything that you do to help people succeed? You know, if there was just one thing I could encourage people to, to do, it would be um, read my book, 8020 Sales and Marketing, which you can get for a penny plus shipping. In the United States, that means it's 7 bucks, And if you're outside the U.S., it means it's 14 So I, I'm taping dollar bills to these books to send them out. You know, and even if you're like scraping change out of your car seats to eat lunch, you know, you can come up with seven bucks and you can buy the book. And, um, and if you go to eat, uh, go to sell8020.com, S-E-L-L-8020.com, you can get that book and you'll find that offer and, and you can, and we'll ship it to you. And the reason I do that is because I have found that people that read this book and get it become great customers. Um, and, and in fact, sometimes they become extraordinary customers. So, you know, so I'm, I'm betting on you. Um, but I, I would love you to read this book. This book will change your life. Um, and, and I don't say that lightly. If I had had this book 20 years ago, I could have saved so much pain and suffering I can't even imagine. That's huge. Perry, finally, my final question for you is, if you could give business owners just one solid piece of advice to either help their business or, more importantly, help them live a better life, what would that piece of advice be? Um, Know thyself. Um, You need to know what it is that you are truly good at, what you are truly gifted at, 
and you need to be doing that, and you need to be getting rid of most of your other jobs. Um, and and you will like your your life much better. You will like your work much better. You will be less frustrated, and you'll deliver more of what people love for their money. Fabulous. Know thyself. Fabulous. Perry, thank you so much for joining me today. I know how busy your schedule is, and I really appreciate you sharing your time and your wisdom with us. Thank you. It was a pleasure, and I, I really appreciate what you're doing for people that you know do after-school activities, and they're serving kids, and they're serving parents, and let's have less stress and more prosperity for everybody, shall we? Amen to that. All right. Well, folks, that's all the time we've got today. Thanks for tuning in to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. For more info about our project coaching or to see if you'd benefit from one of my mastermind groups, visit me over at www.jasonmsilverman.com, where I look forward to helping you achieve the success that you truly deserve. Until next time, let me leave you with this. Get out there and be the real deal. Set a goal. Make a plan. Work like crazy towards it and achieve the success that you truly deserve. Now's the time. Get out there and make it happen. Go get them, folks. This has been Jason Silverman, and I hope you have a spectacular week. You've been listening to The Real Deal with Jason Silverman. To access the great resources mentioned in the show and for information on coaching and mastermind group opportunities with Jason, please visit jasonmsilverman.com.